A word of warning. This podcast may contain themes that some listeners might find distressing. Not always, but sometimes. However, this podcast will definitely contain strong language. Therefore, if neither of these things sound appealing, it's probably not the podcast for you then, is it? Hello and welcome to the Narcissist Ramblings podcast with me, the Narcissist Psychologist. Uh, today, I have a fantastic discussion for you with the inimitable Dr. Marta de Rosquillado, a child psychologist who also has an incredible and flourishing social media presence. This discussion was recorded as an Instagram live chat, my very first one which I think went well, all things considered. Um, and because I felt the discussion was so helpful and rich, uh, I thought it would make, also make a great podcast episode. Um, so without giving too much away, Marta and I discussed the concepts of uh, punishment and discipline in relation to children, what the differences between the two, and we give some consideration to which form of parenting style is more likely to develop into delinquent behaviours. Um, you can find Marta on Instagram under the handle Dr. Marta psychologist and uh, she has very recently launched her own podcast called talking sense so go check that out anyway enough from me here's the discussion i hope you enjoy listening as much as i enjoyed having the, the discussion and um if you enjoyed it please uh you know do the whole usual shtick uh, share like rate all that stuff um it really does help thank you hello Hello, how are you? I'm good, how are you? Yeah, I'm not too bad, thank you. Um, so, uh, yeah, good to see me, sort of. A lot of people have been asking about the pixelation, um, and I've just explained that obviously, um, as, as as you're aware, um, but others may not be aware, I work, I'm a forensic psychologist, forensic and clinical psychologist, and I work in secure uh, care. Um, so part and parcel of this is sort of just maintaining my um, online safety for that reason so I don't tend to sort of show my face show who I am um, but so this pixelation business is just a I don't know I didn't know you could do the pixelation on lives it was right. uh, I, do you remember right. when I do you remember when I sent you the screenshots and it was yeah. just like I'd put some I'd put some tape over my camera and I was like this is what I look like and I was just like a blurry mess I mean that would have worked too but I think this is great <laughs> Yeah, you can actually see that I'm a human being that kind of has blurry features, but... ...reality, can't you? So that's good. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so I guess, so welcome Dr. Marta Deiros Collado. Nice <laughs> to have you. Um, I must admit, I'm somewhat uh, in awe of the fact that we are having this conversation today. So I'll just take a moment to appreciate it. I think it's going to be really good. Yeah, I think it's going to be great. Um, so I suppose the reason this conversation has come about is because, uh, just I guess just to contextualise those who are watching, um, about, what, three to four weeks ago, I suppose, you tagged me in a post. Um, oh, sorry, you tagged me in a set of stories that you were um, putting up that were around the idea of um, punishment, uh, punishing children, disciplining children. Um, and I think the... The reason it came about, oh, sorry, actually, do you want to give the context? Because it was your stories and actually I probably will get it wrong. So sort of, I'll, you know, do you want to kind of fill everyone in? Sure. You're not going to get it wrong. Like, <laughs> I did like a tiny mini series, which I do sometimes on discipline and punishment. And then I did a story, which I often do because I find Instagram posts I mean, they're very brief, aren't they? And yeah. it never feels very nuanced. I like to get on stories and just have a little chat. 
And I'd seen one of your posts a long time ago about trauma that really resonated for me. And I actually thought there was a really nice link because obviously you work in forensic settings. So mm -hmm. that's why I tagged you. Also aligning with a series of comments that I received under my post on punishment about if we don't punish harshly, then children become feral or we are turning <laughs> children into criminals. And there was like those words were used on my posts and I had a series of conversation with people who felt very strongly that without really harsh discipline, children just become feral. And what kind of adults am I suggesting we bring up? You know, there was a lot of that because obviously I don't endorse harsh pun I don't endorse punishments at all. And I try and explain very clearly why. But I think there is a sense I sometimes from adults that what what is this generation going to be like this yeah. this idea of soft parenting yeah. not how i talk about it but this idea if you're gentle and loving and soft what adults are we going to bring up in the world and so i tagged you in because i think you're really well positioned to have a voice and a perspective on this given your work yeah. um and obviously i talk of it, about it from the perspective of parenting and you know yeah. or the clinical work I've done with families so that's why I kind of pulled you in and yeah and I guess based on that I thought you know um, given my sort of experience um, in working with those who have committed offences and um, particularly in the setting that I do which relates to people who have or who would um, sort of acquire diagnoses of personality disorder and who have also offended and who are at high risk of uh, re-offending um, a lot of the work that I do um, relates to sort of helping those, I guess, understand the links between sort of their childhood or their earlier upbringing um, or any, I guess, not necessarily just their childhood or, or their parental relationship, but I guess any difficulties that they may have experienced. And when I say difficulties, I'm talking about trauma. I'm talking about like the really difficult, harsh realities of life that um, many of us are so fortunate to not necessarily experience. Um, and I guess, you know, making the links between how those experiences shape their worldviews and their senses of self and their senses of the, you know, understanding about their position in the world, relationships to other people and all those kind of things. And I think, um, you know, helping them understand that and their current behavior and their current ways of thinking and behaving um, is really important. And so I thought it would be fantastic if you and I could have a conversation um, with you coming from the sort of more um, child parenting aspect and with me coming from this sort of more uh, forensic side of things um, and just see to see where the conversation goes. Two sides, right? Yeah. And I think, and do you know what? I suppose, you know, I think... So I work. So I work in the adult setting because I think that um, I think people make mistakes, and I, when I say make make mistakes, I don't by any means diminish the severity and the nature of the things that they do. I think uh, some people do really horrible things, um, and you know I accept that, and I'm able to um, hold that in mind. But I think the reasons why they do it, I don't think is necessarily always understood. And I think they don't necessarily understand the reasons why they do it. And I think part and parcel of my job is to help unpick that and to, to help them sort of understand that they did X and Y because of, you know, all these various reasons. And I think, you know, um, if you can help people understand where they've come from, you can maybe change the tra trajectory of their life. And I think adults need that. I, you know, I'm, I'm yeah. not somebody who thinks that, 
once somebody has done something, you kind of write them off and they, you know, they are doomed to be that person forever. So that's a, that's a lot of where my sort of values lie in being able to help people um, do things slightly differently. I mean, but I also, oh, sorry. Just to pause on that, because what you said is really powerful to me. And I think it probably is resonating with lots of people or maybe landing. Don't know how it might be landing, but one, obviously we're both clinical psychologists. So I think we have a similar worldview on yeah. human you know, Uh, and as you were talking, the thought that was coming to my mind was that you and I do very similar jobs, just in a different um, life. Time period, yeah. Because a lot of the words you use there are very similar to words that I would use thinking about the kids I work with or, you know, families I work with. And it's like Mm. you're reparenting those people. You're giving them compassion. You're Absolutely. giving them right? So yeah. you're doing that, whereas I'm kind of saying to people, these are things that will support your child, you know, protect your child from vulnerabilities, from risk factors, from... So my stuff is like preventative, if you like. Yeah. It's going, now I'm going to hold you because nobody yeah. held you like this before. Yeah. And I was just, and, and, and I was absolutely sort of uh, 100% on that line because I was thinking that actually your job and the sort of position that you're in is very much the um, meeting the children where they're at at earlier, in the earlier stage of their life and actually trying to intervene at a much earlier stage before they get onto that kind of, you know, trajectory or path that kind of leads them down to doing um, potentially even more dangerous things, more harmful things, not to just, not just to others, but to themselves as well. You know, a lot of these people that I work with, um, they have really, they haven't just done horrible things to other people. They have done, you know, they have had um, really tough experiences themselves, you know, so there's quite high prevalences of self-harm, substance use, um, just generally um, low self-worth, low self-esteem, like low consideration of themselves as a uh, human being of any value. Um, so I think, yeah, so I think, so I think this is a really good, what's done to us we do to ourselves and then we repeat right done to us then that's what we internalize those are the kind of messages that they're holding yeah absolutely um so yeah so this is why we're having a chat to contextualize these 59 people that are listening i find it quite intimidating but also i was thinking about this on the drive in i think that this is really great because it's almost like a free um you wouldn't normally get to have i don't know you wouldn't normally get to experience a conversation like this between two psychologists Mm. that maybe other people would i don't know pay for or be like you know a night with um kind of thing where somebody charges an exorbitant amount of money and then um uh you know they sit and hear hear a discussion so i think that this is great and i actually have not necessarily appreciated the um accessibility of this medium up until this very moment um and I think you're right and I think clinical psychologists like psychologists we have different conversations together yeah and like I know you and I have had lots of chats behind the scenes um and I think if people I always think god if there was a fly on the wall people could hear (laughs) because people don't know no you know I always think that like we talk in a certain way and we see the world in a certain way yeah and um, yeah, so I think this is a, I, th- I think this is a really helpful insight to kind of having, um, to, for people to hear these conversations. So, um, so 
I asked for some questions since in, and I sent you them earlier today. Mm-hmm. And um, I think, I think one of the areas that we kind of have already touched on, and I think is maybe important to to think about. Actually, I have a question for you that maybe might help maybe start us off. So, in your view, is there a difference between punishment and discipline? Yes. Okay. Clear. Tell us. I'll answer you. <laughs> Go on then. Extended answer. Punishment is the removal of something pleasurable to a child or it's a threat or it's Mm -hmm. harm and it's Mm -hmm. with the intention to inflict pain. Okay, punishment is the association with punishment is pain, whether it's emotional or physical or material. I'm going to hurt you, right? Discipline is teaching. When we teach something, so... I'll make it up, but if we're teaching a child to read, you know? It's a discipline. The aim and the intention is to teach. So you Mm. might repeat something, you know? You might start with just understanding letters and it might start with just showing a letter or tracing it with a letter or playing with letters or whatever it is so that they recognize I'm doing this. So they'll recognize a C is a C or a B is a B, whatever. And then you move on to the next bit, right? It's teaching, it's practice, it's repetition. It comes with the intention of learning. It doesn't come with the intention of inflicting pain. Discipline is not punishment. And somehow we have associated those two things in our society and then of parenting in our like social structure that when we say children need discipline, what we're actually saying is children need to be punished And that is not right. And for me, there is a language divide here because I will always say that children need discipline, but I'm not saying they need punishment. Does that make sense? No, absolutely. Because I I think the reason I asked that question is because one of the the questions, um, I've lost it now. Oh, so I've, I've, um, I've taken the questions that were sent in and I've kind of grouped them together because I think there were some themes along the lines. um, Mm -hmm. And I think, um what i'll do is i'll read out two questions um that i think are kind of linked and we can have a discussion about those so the reason i asked about the difference between um punishment and discipline is so one of the questions is what is punishment exactly so somebody sort of talked about in dog training we have p plus and p minus and what is aversive is different for different individuals so i think what that person is asking is like so what's punishment and then i think so in dog training there's the idea of you give a treat or you don't give a treat or there's like a stern voice and all that kind of stuff Mm-hmm. And I think, and I think those are the basic principles of behavioural mm-hmm. um, learning, isn't it? Yeah. And then the idea of what is aversive is different to different individuals, which I think would be helpful to think about and, and talk about in relation to children. Mm-hmm. And then the other question is: Does research suggest nurturing pro-social behaviour has a greater impact than consequences? So I think those two questions tie in quite nicely to each other. So you're right. So punishment is the idea of um uh, adding an aversive stimulus so like threat pain shouting uh, or taking something away which then adds an aversive stimulus so again so sort of sending a child to a corner sending them up to their room um, taking away toys um set you know taking away their meals all those kind of things so whether you so it's it's 
because it's positive and negative, isn't it? And this is where people, where I even get confused sometimes in terms of behavioral terms is that when we talk about um, positive and negative punishment or positive and negative reinforcement, the positive and the negative is about whether you add something Mm -hmm. or whether you take something away. Yeah. So punishment is punishment, regardless of whether you're giving something or whether you're taking something away. And I think what, and I think what ties into the other part of the question about uh, does research suggest that nurturing pro-social behavior has a greater impact? I think absolutely that does, because then what we're thinking about is reinforcement of desirable behaviors. And when I say desirable behaviors, I mean like children doing the things that we want them to do and, you know, making our lives easier sometimes at the end of the day. Um, and I think you get positive and negative reinforcement, don't you? So positive reinforcement is when um, you, uh, What's the word I'm looking for? You reinforce the behavior by adding something pleasurable. Yeah. So, yeah, so you reward the behavior. So if a child does something well, you say, good job, nicely done. I'm so proud of you. Um, isn't that a nice thing? Look how happy you've dog. made somebody else. Say that again. It's the dog treat. <laughs> yes, yeah, the dog treat. Is dog. Yeah. And then negative reinforcement. I mean, negative reinforcement is when you take something aversive away in order to make a child feel better. So that's things like when they're in distress, you give them a hug. When they feel sad, you tell them that it's okay. When they um, have a fight or they get angry, you sort of say, I'm still here for you and, and all those kind of things. So it's about taking away the, and I mean, it can be something, it can be something physical. So if they're in pain and they've hurt themselves and you, you know, you go and you rescue them and you help them. I'm Bless you. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. Um, you made me lose my train of thought there. Not you made me. I lost my train of thought. I'm blaming you for my own thing, which is wrong. See, this is the kind of stuff that psychologists say to you. It's like, well, you didn't make me do anything. It's my actions were a consequence of something else. Anyway. Um, so, yeah. So, so I would say that, yes, because nurturing pro-social behavior absolutely has a greater impact because what you're then teaching the child through positive and negative reinforcement so either giving them something helpful to make them know that what they did is helpful or um soothing any kind of adverse reaction what you're teaching them is that what they've done is good and you'd like more of that behavior Mm -hmm. yes i agree with you i would agree with everything you've said i'm going to add two things one one, children are not animals Absolutely, I mean, Jill. Please, not animals. Like, you know, I saw that question, I circled it because I was like, I love this idea that <laughs> when you're thinking of children, can we all, all, this is like one of the big messages I really want people to hold. Like, children are not like animals. We all, because we're human, and children are not mini adults. They are humans and they're growing and they're developing and they have like, brains under construction but they have internal motivations they have a mind dogs don't have a mind okay they have instinct and they have needs because they're animals and they do have emotions but they don't have the same complex motivational you know layers that we have because they don't have language okay so one we're not dogs and the behavioral model i'm not even going to go into this very much because otherwise I'll go into like a different place. But behavioral model psychologically was all about 
psychologists wanted to make psychology a science. And if you're going to make it into a science in old school psychology, you know, 1920s, I think it was, you've got to focus on observable behavior. But we have minds, we have conversations in our head, things going on in our body can't observe because they're internal. Like while you're talking, I just, I'm listening. There's stuff happening in my head. I'm not just blankly sitting here. So one, that's really important, okay? Two, for me, everything you said about nurturing pro-social behavior being more important, 100% agree. And I would add an additional third layer to what you said, which is that that pro-social behavior we want to nurture, if we're not showing it, if we're not modeling it, if we're not giving it to our kids, they're not going to absorb it, okay? They're not going to absorb it. What you do with your child impacts them so much more than what you tell them to do. So if you're saying to your child, you're rude, you need to be respectful, I really hope that you're being respectful to your child and you're not being rude, which includes don't shame them in public when they get something wrong. Don't kind of be like, say sorry. That's really shameful to a kid. Like, oh, I forgot. I'm little. I don't know what's going on. I'm super, like emotionally dysregulated right now my brain is shut down don't shame them you know think about how you want to be treated as an adult if i was in a social situation somebody told me what to say or what to do i'd be like who are you like (laughs) it's like excuse me fuck off thank you very much yeah but we don't treat each other like that do we like we we try and we try not everyone of course but most adults will treat people with respect and when they don't it shines a light on them so what i really want to say to parents is these behaviors pro-social behaviors we want to see in your child make sure that you are their best model of them Mm. which again if you're going to be their best model of this punishment has to go out the window because that's a terrible model for a child what you're teaching your child with a punishment is not what to do instead it's saying to them when you don't get your way you can do something to somebody to hurt them, right? Yeah, absolutely. And I think, and I think that's, and I think that's quite. Um, so when you were talking about how, um, or when you were saying that the people in the comments and the, the the posts that you were making were thinking about what you know, what are the links? What were like if you don't punish a child, then they're going to end up being feral. And actually, um, th- it's the opposite. So if you nurture the behaviours that actually you th- that you want to see and you grow them and you and you um praise those and you give those the and you as you say if you shine a light on those behaviors but you also model them and you sort of you know um when you're feeling angry or stressed and you maybe say something in the heat of the moment and you um don't apologize your children will learn from that and they will learn that actually if somebody gets something wrong i don't have to apologize i can just act i can just crack on with life and things are as they are but if they see you apologize then they go oh um, so one of the things that you actually um, that I saw uh, one of your posts about the idea of um, getting a child to say thank you or mm-hmm. to say sorry, mm-hmm. I thought was one of the most like slap in the face things, like in terms of like a reality check. Because I just thought, face. no, because <laughs> yeah. I just thought, holy shit, yeah, no, you are right. Like when you force somebody to say something, when in the moment they are maybe feeling really shy or they can't quite process because this person is maybe a stranger or even it's really overwhelming if they've been given a gift and they can't quite understand what's going on and then you go say thank you 
and 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 we'll get into the i think we'll get into the sort of the um physiological states and stuff of what's going on internally in a child in a second but if all of that's going on physiologically it kind of blocks out the sort of more cognitive stuff doesn't it so then you sort of saying to a child say thank you or you know it's impolite to say to to not say thank you or you know only bad children don't say thank all those things um, all those things it's it's just not good is it so actually if you model saying thank you granny that was a really yeah. nice presence or you know um sorry you know sorry that this happened they didn't mean to hurt you and all those kind of things then the child sees that okay if i've done something or i've received something that's kind of the appropriate way to go about it because i think what you're mm. then doing is you're helping that child learn you know so i guess what we call in psychological terms the theory of mind so you're helping you're helping the child develop that actually other people have internal states other people have expectations other people um would you know have emotions that if you don't do this then they might feel a certain way um i feel like i've gone on a bit of a tangent there right no, no. so what i was going to say is it's tangent yeah yeah so sorry so what i was going to say is is those are the behaviors that if you know to them you grow them you shine a light on them they um will uh flourish and then those those will become i guess the the normed behaviors that children will go on to learn if on the other hand you're using discipline violence threats verbal aggression intimidation fear that becomes the child's template for how to interact in the world absolutely so if they understand that i've done something wrong so therefore what needs to happen is i i need to be punished physically through a hiding through a verbal beration through belittling through shaming then actually when somebody else does something wrong then that's what i do to them or what actually I or what you do to yourself so right. yes yeah, so you 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 what i deserve then that yeah. like the kind of guilt shame self harm like it comes yeah. there it comes from this is what i'm expecting to happen to me yeah yeah and then children develop that script isn't it so therefore it's either i am i am i am an awful person i have no worth i have no value um i deserve to be hurt and they may go on and do things to hurt themselves either physically or they may just live a really reckless life or they might not necessarily consider um themselves worthy of any kind of i don't know viable happiness relationship that is um worthwhile all those kind of things um but then as well they may also learn to then physically harm other people as well or to physically berate other people or to become verbally aggressive and i guess the things that we're talking about i guess just to make people aware all occur on a spectrum like there are obviously you know the route to criminality is not linear and it's mm. not offset also i just like to reassure any parents that if you have done any of this stuff it's not a hard given that your child is going to end up a criminal there are a lot of different things that will um you know take a child down the path of committing offences and all those kind of things but the parenting style the parenting relationship how the child then internalizes all of that is really quite key to i guess buffering against those it's one of the things that sort of can really help um i guess defend just to like dig the point in you would agree with man that if you meet your child with love and nurturance and you know compassion and understanding and you're teaching them behaviors you want to see that doesn't that doesn't lead to 
children becoming criminals. <laughs> oh yeah. So, so <laughs> from a from a from a schema perspective, so for anyone that's listening that doesn't know what I'm talking about, so schema is a form is a model of therapy that basically highlights that children have core needs. So there are a set of core needs. So you can help me out if I miss out on some of them. So basically the things you've said. So being loved, being, um, being held in mind, boundaries, healthy boundaries, boundaries, you know, there are some firm boundaries, there are some slightly looser boundaries, um, freedom to express yourself, um, which I think is one of the things, you know, um, you know, I, I see that you also sometimes consider gender within this, the discussions that you have and sort of one of the things that I talk about a lot or maybe hold in mind is um, boys are sort of suppressed. Their freedom to express themselves is often suppressed. Yeah. But anyway, that's a, that's a whole discussion for another day as well. Right. Say that again, sorry. Particularly their emotions. Particularly their emotions, yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, independence, so the freedom to sort of wander and explore the world, but then come back to the parents when they feel scared or uncertain, things like that. If those core needs are not met, if they're not attuned to, and again, just to, if any parents are listening, you don't have to get it right all the time. It's not like you have to, there's not a, there's not a, like a percentage that you have to get right in order to do this. It's just as best as you can, as consistently as you can, um, there's a then, says it's about a third of the time. Yeah. Look how little yeah. it is. You a know, third, thirty-three percent. I mean, you can, you can, you can, you can, yeah, you can, you can fuck up over half the time. Yeah, you can. You can yeah. fuck up over half the time. Yes, you can. Yeah. And remember, it's not the fucking up that fucks them it's up. The, it's the repairing. It's what you do with the fuck up that matters, right? If yeah. Like, yeah. I got it wrong, but you know, serves you because like, you're a bad kid, you're not whatever. If you repair, which actually looks like I take accountability and ownership of the fact that I lost it or I got it wrong or, you know, yeah. that you're, that, that's where some magic happens in your child's yeah. brain and in your relationship. So it happens in two places in their brain because mm -hmm. they're distressed because, you know, we haven't talked about the nervous system or anything like that. I know it's complex, but there is like an emotional distress when you punish shame use harsh punishment on your child lose it on your child shout at them it affects their body like their nervous system when you repair yeah. you heal that's why we talk about rupture repair and healing you're healing something in their nervous system it's calming down it's feeling like i'm safe again now and it's in your apology that they feel safe yeah and yeah. it also does something about you together, kind of saying, look, to be human is not to be perfect. We yeah. all mess up sometimes and it's okay. I'm going to keep working on this thing. You know, accountability really matters. If you're always apologizing for the same thing, like 20 times a day, you need to stop and really think about what's happening. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. If, yeah. if you're doing the same thing over and over again, then. My parents say, but I apologize to my child like five times a day because I shout and I'm like, okay, well, if that's your truth, really think what do i need because something's not right for me it's not your child it's you because one of the yeah. biggest challenges of parenting is about working on ourselves and our emotional regulation we can't yeah. teach we can't teach. right so honestly hard. as a as a as a fairly newish parent i say newish as in like i have i have toddlers 
honestly, Jesus Christ, the the amount of emotional regulation is astronomical. Yeah. Like, my child shushed me the other day. Okay, I cannot, I cannot verbalize the visceral bodily reaction I had to my child shushing me. It was. <laughs> It was uh, so. It was overwhelming. So it was in the sense of it was so. Um, it was in the sense of like I would never have deigned to do that to my parents. Like not even it wouldn't have crossed my mind. I probably did it when I was three, but sort of you know from my formative memories that I have, I would never have done um, ever thought of doing that. But yes, it was about it was about okay. He shushed me, but he was upset. I was like, okay, he's upset. I took, I took, I just registered that my body was very tense. Um, and I actually just turned around and I carried on doing something else. And then later on it was fine. And I just, we had a conversation about shushing. Taking a break is yeah. a form of relation for us, but it isn't yeah. for our children, right? Because their brain's not able to do the thing that you were able to do, which was notice, oh, what's happening in my body. I know lots yeah. of adults do that, but you know, that's where the kind of magic happens, both for you What's yeah. happening to my body? What do I need right now? And then to think, both to have a conversation with your child about, you know, shushing is not okay. Instead, you can too loud or whatever. You know, you, you teach them words. You teach them the behavior what you want to see. And again, when you're having that conversation with your kids, you're already teaching them what it looks like. When there's yeah. a conflict in a relationship, what you do is you don't attack or shout at each other. You talk. Oh my God, revelation, you know? This is like conflict resolution. And I think even lots of adults find that really difficult. But yeah. emotional regulation has to come first. Like it has yeah. to come first. And yeah, and I think, and I think uh, you know, even before that, I think like recognition of, of what's happening for you in terms of going, what's going on inside your body. So, you know, we, 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 t we talk a lot about um, emotional awareness and where that comes from and how that shows up in, in your body and in your physiology and things like that. So, um, you know, one of the first steps would always to be like, so where do you feel that? How do you feel that? Where does it show up in your body? Um, and what are the urges that come with that actually? Because I think, you know, there, there are urges and I think, yes. um, again, that comes from, and I think I'm, I'm speaking sort of more of my experience of child of, of being brought up, but, those urges come from somewhere. So I, I, I have seen and I have been parented in a particular way. So that's my template mm -hmm. to be parented. So I, so I have like, so again, the visceral reaction comes from how dare you disrespect me. And then the urge is to sort of respond in kind to perhaps maybe how I was responded to at a child, as a child, if I had done something. Um, and I guess it's to recognize those urges and when, and when they come up and actually to put like just a bit of a gap between between the the noticing the urge and then sort of acting on that urge yeah because it's about the noticing for me like the way i always think because i work systemically so i often talk about it as stories you know like yeah. that, what is that where does that story come from where did you learn that that's what you need to do next where did you learn it and when you like realize like well you learned that that's the thing you think you need to do now because that's what you learned but are there other options what other options are there that you could learn because as adults we're learning all the time and i yeah. think about that catching it and going is this urge mine like you know 
is it a choice or is it something that kind of was given to me so this is automatic and that's where you switch it that's where you're able to kind of like you just said the gap right that's where that's then go i've got other choices that i didn't know exist in a toolbox of stuff so let me try a different choice you know maybe your choice was i'm gonna go off and do something else for a minute and like you know put my mind and my body in a different place um and for other people it might be saying a different word or having a different action or you know turning it into some kind of playfulness or depending on the context right there's lots of different options yeah and i think often that's what's missing for us as adults that we don't see that there are these options until we take a step back yeah and i think this ties in quite nicely maybe to one of the sort of conversations that we thought about maybe having and um i guess it relates to so i'll read the question and we can carry on so it says not justifying but aren't the cultural but aren't there cultural differences where most non-west and i think non-western um forms of punishment uh is the norm i mean there's a lot just in that question there's a lot yeah the psychology I mean, this is like psychology speak now, but you know, yeah. you know, not what was it? Not justifying, but so it says not justifying, but yeah. So there's, it's interesting, the isn't it? Yeah, and you I think, are just I think the... <laughs> yeah. what do you mean by punishment? Like yeah. these non-Western cultures, what, who, who, what? Like, and are we saying they're doing it better? Like, what, what example? It, are those cultures showing or demonstrating? Are we comparing? Are we comparing equal for equal? You know, non-Western versus Western, because actually there's huge cross-cultural studies um, that hadn't been done for a long time, but they have been done now. They're beginning, and there's a few already mm-hmm. looking at attachment. So the way that mm-hmm. you know you were talking about parental styles. So looking at parental styles and outcomes on attachment. And some of them have been done in China and Asia, which have a very different societal structure to Western society. And it's not about individual, it's about group. And still, it's authoritative parenting, right? Not authoritarian, which would be the punitive, controlling, I'm in power parent, or permissive, which is, you know, you do what you like, I just step back, you know, kids are kids. I'm I'm oversimplifying, but you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Authoritarian is about saying, I'm your parent and I'm going to make sure that there are boundaries that you have to follow and I'm going to support you in learning things. I'm not going to punish you or hurt you or harm. Like, my intention is not to hurt you. My intention is to teach you and guide you. I'm going to guide you somewhere. So there are boundaries, there are discipline, the way that I call it discipline. And there is love and warmth. So there's a lot of love and warmth in that. There can be lots of love and warmth in permissive parenting, but there's it can also go towards neglect because you just let yeah. wild run wild. And and to be fair, if we're talking about feral children, um, you know, like I think the permissiveness side of things, where children don't have boundaries, where they don't have that that delineation between what is acceptable and what is not acceptable and what is okay and not okay. I feel like that is, if you want to talk about feral children and how feral children may develop, I don't like saying the phrase feral children, but we're just using the quotes from what the people said in your comments. I don't think children are feral, just so everyone knows. Um, But I think if that's the kind of 
you know, if that's the um, label you're going to attach to that type of child, you're probably thinking a bit more along the lines of the sort of too permissive, no boundaries, yeah. let the child essentially just do whatever the fuck they want and like, you know, just head towards yeah. unboundaried chaos, I yeah, imagine. I agree. Probably down that side. And I think that's what people think. Um, and I'm not, I say this, I don't know if, it, know if I say it explicitly enough, but I'm not a gentle parent model or yeah. I'm not an attachment parenting model, which is like, you know, was written by a pediatrician, not even a psychologist. I'm absolutely <laughs> none of those things. I'm not any of those things, you know, to me, I'm a clinical psychologist and I do family therapy and I base how I work very, very much based on the people I see and what I talk about. But a lot of my information I know fits with these lines. And I think yeah. people think it's permissive parenting. And it's not. If you're not setting firm boundaries, you're not you're not getting it. Like that's not what it's supposed to look like. Yeah. It's quite firm when you're yeah. using discipline properly. It's just not harsh. And it's not yeah. with the intent to hurt your child. It doesn't mean you're not firm. Yeah. And you very strict boundary and i think and i think and i think that's i think that's an important distinction i think that people f perhaps maybe the misunderstanding is that people think you can't be firm and you can't be boundaried without being like some kind of tyrant or there being some kind of um uh you will listen to me and i am your parent and i yeah. and what i say goes kind of thing um which i think you know absolutely that it is possible to do that and i think you know children children learn so quickly it's actually frightening how quickly how quickly children learn it's it's mind it's mind-boggling ever but it doesn't honestly it doesn't you tell the child mm. once or twice um you know a really young child once or twice maybe three times about something they get it it's like oh okay so this is what i do and they're like yeah it's about the consistency and the kind yeah. of you know, the way I think about boundaries is you need to set them in a way that makes it always successful for your child to achieve it. So you yeah. know, sometimes I talk to parents and they'll say, but I set the boundary, but they still do it. And I'm like, you're not setting the boundary high enough. It's not high enough. What do you mean they can still? Well, I told them they can touch the scissors and they've still got the scissors. Well, your scissors are not in the right place, right? It's not <laughs> yeah. You see these scissors I'm putting on the table next to you? Don't touch them. Don't That's touch not them. a boundary. That's an expectation that you're placing on a child who is unable to meet that expectation. The boundary yeah. is you. That's what I always say to people. Like, yeah. you are your child's boundary. You don't want to touch them. You don't want them to touch the scissors. You move the scissors to a far, far higher distant place where they're not going to touch And what you do is, is you explain why you're moving the scissors. Correct. So if you say, so you say, I'm going to take the scissors because they are dangerous and I want you to be safe and I'm going to place them somewhere that you can't get them because I don't want you to injure yourself. The child will go, oh, I mean, they might cry. Okay. Yeah, I'm not going to lie. It's not, it's not, it's, no child will ever just go, oh yeah, oh, I understand I the logic of what you're doing. They will probably cry and they will probably say that you're being mean and that it's unfair and that it's not nice and all they want is the scissors. And but that is what it is. There's an extra step. Agree with you, Dan, 100%. And then what you do is you go to the shop and you buy them age-appropriate scissors. And <laughs> you sit with them and you teach them how to use scissors. Scissors. Their scissors. I mean, this is something... Yeah. I've 
child who adores cutting stuff up. But her scissors, even her child-friendly ones, they're not available all day, every day, all the time. They're still placed somewhere securely. And when she wants to cut and do arts and crafts, I mean, she's three and a half arts and crafts, as toddlers do. Making yeah. a mess in your room, yes. Yeah. I allow her. She made confetti the other day. Seriously, not joking. Oh my God. <laughs> it was literally paper strewn everywhere. <gasps> oh, it's my worst nightmare. I will say to her, "Ask me for the scissors. They come down. I give them to her, and I'm around. I don't anymore sit with her constantly because she's really good at using them. She knows what she's doing. I'm confetti everywhere, but <laughs> I'm making breakfast. I'm nearby. You know, I'm not like abandoning her with that's what a boundary looks like the boundary is not just i set a limit the end it's i set a limit and i teach you something there is an additional step here okay i'm learning scissors are dangerous and this is how i use them this is how an age appropriate way of doing something if you're missing that step again you're not teaching your kid anything yeah. like they need to learn with your words and with their behavior your behavior alongside yeah. what is appropriate and I think part and parcel of, of the the punishing where uh, parents say, don't do that, or or maybe they might physically, um, you know, hit a child or <laughs> verbally sort of be really aggressive or shout at them or belittle them. What there doesn't, what doesn't follow is probably this is why I've done it. Or this is the reason why I've done it. It's just don't touch that. Don't do this. Don't do that. And for the child that's really confusing because really confusing. all you've said is don't do this but there's no follow-up as to why Absolutely. and there's no sort of explanation so they don't learn about the world they don't learn about things um about you know if it's a safety issue they don't learn that doing that keeps them safe so they will just stop doing that and then i guess that just limits their understanding of the world and it starts to limit their frame of reference and sort of understanding consequences and all those type of things and also like i mean if there's no teaching or learning of the how well how can i use scissors how can yeah. i get angry and then and then again what and then what you'll get and then again what you'll find is children maybe who have had more restrictive upbringings in the sense of they're not allowed to do this, they're not allowed to do that, they can't do this without any explanation. What you will find is that they will go and they will experiment. Yes. Because what you've done is you've created a world that is shut off, that is mysterious, that they don't know what the dangers are, where the boundaries are, and they will just go. And they really? will potentially end up being sort of the ones who are quite reckless the ones yeah. who don't necessarily take care of themselves or think about safety or think about um you know the the the, the longer term consequences of their action because no one's ever taught them that there are longer term consequences mm -hmm. they don't necessarily understand that and i guess you know and I, i'm very i'm stereotyping quite a lot here so you know again we're talking about the extremes but this is where you know children engage uh, will more likely engage in the sort of more stereotypical um naughty behaviors so they'll start like you know uh, maybe smoking or they'll start engaging with the uses of substances at a lot earlier age they may even you know become involved in sort of um sexual behaviors at an early age because these are all the things that the parents have said don't do you can't do that you're not allowed to do that probably without any explanation as to maybe why 
it would be helpful if they maybe waited or you know did mm -hmm. things when they were a bit older or, or a bit more knowledgeable absolutely i mean i talk about this a lot like you know open honest communication with children things like all the things you've talked about like whether it's talking about their bodies or talking about anything that needs to start early and i know for lots of adults parents it feels like no these topics are taboo or my child's too young i don't want to break their innocence i'm like your child has a body your child will see the world they will see things they will ask questions and if we're not the ones who are their biggest resource and we're not the ones who are able to offer them helpful useful information they're going to find it elsewhere and what often happens is they find it elsewhere and it's not accurate or it's not to the service of them and it places them at risk so and what we, and what they will do is they will do it in secret and they won't talk to you about it no, they won't. so you know the, so the thing that sort of just pops into my head is is like porn you know so <laughs> You know, if you if you if you tell them that sort of sex is taboo, porn is bad, and again, this is obviously a very nuanced conversation. And like, you know, I'm not saying that children should be exposed to porn by their parents. So please, let's just. <laughs> but children and children are exposed to porn. If your child has social media, if they've got access to a smartphone or the internet, I need parents to know this that they have access to porn. The amount they of do. I mean, I don't even want to say how young these kids are. I have had so many kids tell me about watching porn in the playground and feeling terrified. They are terrified. Really? Yeah, because they don't know what it is. And their friends yeah. own it. And they're like, what is this? And like, I mean, it's like a little trauma with a little T, but it is yeah. emotionally distressing to them. And I think as parents, if we don't have this awareness, you know, if we're walking around going, don't watch it. It's, you know... Our kids are not going to be able to like have the tools to manage that situation mm. or come to you and say i think i watched that thing my mother said like and it really scared me those conversations yeah. get lost and i guess and i suppose you know to, to balance it like what you're not saying because <laughs> i suppose what some people might think is that oh my god i'm going to start talking to my children about all these various different things and i don't know like, do I talk to them about porn first? Do I talk to them about smoking first? Do I talk to them about this? And I guess it's not necessarily about picking all the topics, talking to them about it, but I guess it's about creating a relationship with your child where actually they feel safe that if something disturbs them or they see something disturbing or something happens <laughs> that maybe they don't feel comfortable about, they can come to you and you are a person that they know they can talk to about this because actually in the past you've been someone who's walked them through and talked them through certain situations and you've explained things to them kindly or nicely and you've made them feel safe afterwards and actually you are a person that they can trust to have these conversations with and should something like that happen they can come to you with it and you know one of those needs essential needs that you talked about before for me like that need of being understood when you, over time, this is not in a moment as a parent, it's over time, you know, those like that third of the time, you yeah. demonstrate over years and years and years, you demonstrate to your child, I try and understand you. Like, I don't just sit here and tell you off, punish you, go, no, that's wrong, go away, you know, go on a timeout, whatever. I'm actually going, okay, what happened here? 
what happened? Help me understand. When your children feel like you're going to listen to me, you're going to understand me rather than just punishing me or telling me off straight away, impulsively, with nothing behind it, like, because that's when kids go, nobody sees me, you don't understand, right? How many teenagers have we met, have I met, who go, nobody understands me? Nobody sat with them and go, okay, explain, who are you? What is going on for you? But when, as a parent, you do that over a series of lots and lots and lots of moments, then these conversations just happen. Because kids go, mm. you're going to understand. You're not going to have a go at me. I watch something in the playground. Please don't tell me off, because I'm scared. So can we just talk? That's the difference between the kid who watches something in the playground and goes, I'm not telling my parents. There's no way I can yeah. tell them. Yeah, if I tell them, if I tell them, they're going to think that I've done something bad, and this yeah. is going to end badly for me. Yeah, they're going to be ta they're going to take my phone away. I can't. I don't want to. Right? That's what happened. Yeah. Oh my god! If I tell yeah. my parent, they're going to take my phone away, or I won't be able to see my best friend anymore, or I won't go yeah. around to play. And some of these kids are seven. They're eight. They're nine. They're little kids. Yeah. But the kids who go, I saw what something really, really scary, mummy. They're the kids who know you're going to listen to me. You're going to be on my side. I mean, I did a post about this. One of the strongest things you can do as a parent is say to your child, I'm always going to be on your side. I'm on your team. Like, I'm here to listen to you, support you, help you, you know, guide you. And yeah, sometimes I'm going to say, this is not right. What you did is wrong. But let's talk about it as opposed to mm. what you did is not right. Get out of my sight. I'm not going to tolerate that behavior. Therefore, I'm not going to tolerate you. Yeah. Because that's the difference, right? Those yeah. Because I guess, because I guess, because I guess also this is a, an important distinction in terms of um, how people or how parents talk to children. So there's the idea of um, what you did was bad or what you did was not good. And we're going to discuss that versus you as a child are bad and you as a child yes. um, have, are naughty because, because that's how then the child, because, you know, we've talked about how children can learn things. It doesn't take long for a child to learn something. It doesn't take long for a child to be able to listen to what their parents is, uh, incorporate that into sort of how they um, go about their daily life. Similarly, children will absorb in almost instantaneously mm. the opinions that a parent has of them. Mm -hmm. So if a parent is saying, you are a bad child, you are a naughty child, yeah. you do, you, you, only a child like you does something like that. Mm -hmm. That's who they are. That's how they then see themselves. They are, because essentially you are the per <laughs> you are the person who kind of tells them about their life. They, I mean, there are other resources where they learn stuff, but not until like, you know, when they're like four and five and all that kind of mm -hmm. stuff. But for like the first initial parts of their life, you are literally the person who tells them who they are. Yes, you are. Because they don't, they don't have any other frame of reference other than you. Absolutely. And the bit that they absorb kind of instantaneously, like a sponge, is the feeling they get with you. And that feeling they get with you becomes this is how it feels to be me. Because when they're really little, they don't have like theory of mind. Yeah. They're not yeah. like a perspective. What they understand is that feeling between you and me, my mommy and my daddy, my parent, my caregiver, whoever it is, that's me, that's who I am. And if the feeling you keep giving them is shouting, harsh, aggressive, they just think that's them. That's me, mm. I do this. 
this is who I am. And, you know, shaping kids' identity in that way, if we think of children as naughty, they become naughty. Like, yeah. I have this, I do think that the way that we speak and are with kids is who they become. Like, this is the, I mean, with parents, what I sometimes say and think about with them is like, think of your critical voice. When yeah. you make a mistake, when you do something wrong, what does it sound like? Does it sound like, oh my God, you're so stupid. What's wrong with you? Or does it say, oh, you made a mistake. That's okay. You're really tired. You know, you clearly need some rest. Which one is it? And sometimes people laugh when I say that. They're like, huh, who talks to themselves like that? I'm like, people who had parents who talk to them. <laughs> people who had parents who said that, yeah. People who had parents who talk yeah, to them like, yeah. who didn't say you're stupid, you're an idiot. What's wrong with you? Why would you make a mistake? Yeah. Parents who said, oh, you got that wrong. I get it. Should we think about why you got that wrong? Let's talk about it. Let's yeah. think. Obviously, if they're really little, like my little girl, she can't do all that cognitive bit. So it actually sounds much simpler. It just sounds like, hey, you know what? You're still learning. I don't think you wanted to throw that, did you? I get it. That's okay. You're still learning. You know? And she now says, mommy, I think I'm still learning this. Like, literally, <laughs> she's three and a half. I'm an adult who has to like retrain her brain to do some of that because I'm yeah. parented like that. Mm. I'm one of those adults who, which is really common, will say, oh my God, I'm such an idiot. Right? Yeah. But I like to hope that an old voice would sound more compassionate and she'll be like, I'm not an idiot. I just made a mistake. Like, yeah. so we need to think about that. And I know it seems like, for some people, I think it seems like an unbelievable leap, but it's not because if you go back and I often say, who spoke to you like that? Whose voice is that telling you mm -hmm. that you are shameful or, you know, putting guilt on you? Who is that? Because that's not usually you. It comes from somewhere else. And those yeah. are really important for us to notice. So can... And I think, and I, think something else to, I think something else to hold in mind as well is just because I think, I think conversations around um, our own internal critic and our own voices and our own difficulties that we have, I think... I don't quite know how to say this. So I think, I think what I've noticed really on social media is that there's a lot of discussion around if this has happened, then it's most likely because this happened in childhood. Oh, no. Or this was the, and this is the, say that again. That's such rubbish. Yeah. And it's, and it's like, you probably had a parent that did this. And I think, and I think parents, <laughs> I think if you are a parent, to a millennial child at the moment and you have Instagram and you follow any kind of sort of mental health stuff, I think you're getting a bad rap. And I think parents are being, a, being done quite an injustice currently on social media. That's just my view. Maybe not everyone might agree with it, but when we talk about the internal critic, it's about the consistent messages that we've got in life. Yes. Some of those might have been the things that your parents did, even if they weren't, you know, in, not, unless of course you, again, so there, there's extremes, aren't there? There are some parents that have been really punitive, abusive, neglectful, and they will have said those type of things. Sometimes it's your friends. Sometimes it's your teachers. Sometimes it's, mm. um, you know, other people that you've never met on a night out who have judged you or all those kind of things. It's, it's like your internal critic. Yeah. It's, 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 it's a repetition of different things that you then internalize. It's not, it's not just your parents. No. So again, 
the idea of getting it right a third of the time as a parent is that you will probably you say things to your child <laughs> that you don't mean to say and that will come out probably sounding really harsh that might make them cry that might sound really awful hey you can repair <laughs> repair and you can remember exactly hold on to this remember like this is why resilience is born in the brain with kids it's the mismatch it's the yeah it is the nurturing is the bit that keeps them feeling like i'm a person who belongs and i'm worthy of love and all those really good really important things so you know that third really matters but yeah think about like the two-thirds of human error that you're allowed because you're human so it's not going to yeah. impact on like having a secure attachment but that two-thirds is also about repair it's also about kind of going you know what i yelled at you and i got it wrong and i said something and that was mean and i didn't mean it it's about that and if yeah. you don't do that then yeah i think it like corrodes some of the nurturing right because you're leaving yeah. out in a state of distress and I think what you have, what you've just highlighted there is about, and I think it also comes back to um, uh, what you were saying about the person who sort of said, well, I apologize to my child five times a day because I shouted them five times a day. There's something about how you apologize. Yeah. So it's not just saying, I'm sorry. I'm sorry I shouted. I'm sorry I shouted because I was angry. Like, there's got to be more. There's got to be, you know, there has to be sort of a bit of a deeper depth to your apology. Mm -hmm. And I guess, and, and taking and taking ownership and accountability for what you did wrong, why you did it, the reason, you know, what, what had happened for it to get to that point. And separate you from your child, right? Like, this yeah. is my feeling, this is my, yeah. not your fault. That's yeah. really important for kids, because remember what I said before about them, like, feeling like, this thing that's happening between you and me is me. So it's yeah. about saying, my anger is mine. I shouted because I feel angry. It's not your fault. And sometimes parents go, but it is their fault because they wound me up. And I'm like, no, your emotions are yours. Like, that's your, emo like, you know, like your example of the shushing. Your child's yeah. shushed. But like, sometimes how you reacted to it might not react like you did. Yeah. So it's not the yeah. shushing, it's your interpretation, it's your emotional connection to shushing yeah. right so it's really important that we separate it for our kids so that they don't you know they get that sense of oh okay so that's yours and this is mine and that's what teaches them accountability that's what teaches mm -hmm. kids oh this is how i apologize this is how i repair and this is how i also own the stuff that i get wrong when i'm in a relationship yeah with yeah yeah get the time down i think we're gonna have to finish soon it is. It's been just over an hour, I think. I was just about to say that I think um, this has been a great chat, um, but uh, people who are watching might be like, come on, let's wind up. Got to go and watch Love Island. Love Island starts now, doesn't it? So if I've kept anybody from watching Love Island, I apologise. I hope this has been better than Love Island. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> if it's been worse than Love Island, I even I apologise even more. I'm um, hot tonight, but not in a kind of wherever they are. Where are they? Mallorca or something? Mallorca, I think so. Mallorca, yeah, something like that. Hot okay. enough. Um, yeah, it is hot enough to be there. Um, but yes, no, it is. It is time to wind up. Um, it's been a great conversation. Thank you very much. Um, I feel like we could probably talk about this for much longer. There were some questions that we didn't get round to, and I apologise to anybody who submitted a question and then didn't hear their answer. 
We've but I hope that certainly... Again. So that's... Say it again, sorry. I know there were loads of questions, so we can do it again. I just think... Yeah, we can do another one. We've had yeah. a conversation that's quite... Yeah. Yeah. Organic. Yeah. It moves as it does. Okay. Um, so anyway, uh, we'll end there. Thank you very much. It's been it's been a real pleasure. You have a fantastic sort of measured, articulate, really thoughtful way about putting your words across the way that you speak. And I feel uh, really grateful and honoured to have had a conversation with you. Um, I look forward to another one uh, a bit further down the line. So thank you very much for joining me. My pleasure joining you, Dan. I think it's been a really rich, nuanced conversation. And I love that we have those like I love multiple perspectives, you know, so I, I love that we've had that chat yeah. and you can see the adults and I, I love it. I think it's really important and that people can see that kind of the the parallels and the differences. I think it's really helpful. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Uh, well, have a good night. You do. Whatever it is that you do now. Uh, and uh, we will chat soon. All right. Bye. Okay. Bye. Bye.